Thanks for tuning in to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suju Organic, where we inspire, educate, and provide advice and insights around those who are in the sports business and entertainment industry. Please follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited for my guest today and Brian Davison, VP of Partnerships at AIR. And we're going to talk a little bit about his background, his journey into the world of sports uh, via coaching, via sports marketing at Nike, uh, VP of Basketball Development at the Bucks, and much more along with uh, his new venture called Sports Business Ventures. And we'll get into a little bit of that later on in the episode. But Brian, excited to chat. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excited to talk through this. So as anyone who was a student athlete, you know, thinking uh, as their last game was coming to an end, like, what am I going to do with my life? Um, What was your aha moment at some point where you said, yeah, I'm going to go work in sports, uh, knowing that, you know, you were finishing up your your playing career? Yeah, I I think it's a tough uh, thing for any athlete at any level to know that there's going to be a last game. And so, you know, that comes to a realization sometimes earlier for people and sometimes later. For me, it was, you know, earlier in my college career, I was like, I was like, okay, pro professional basketball is probably uh, not going to be down my roadmap, but I enjoyed my four years playing and, and having a good career. Um, but I, I knew early on, I think in my career um, in, in college in particular, that I wanted to be a coach. Uh, my grandfather was a coach in college and then coached um, about 30 or 40 years in high school right outside of Philadelphia. And uh, a couple of my uncles played in college. So uh, basketball was rooted into our family. Um, and so I said, hey, what a what a great opportunity for me to go from playing straight into coaching. And so that was really my plan. Um, that's really what, what I was planning on doing. And I did that, actually. Um, and I, I coached for two years. Uh, at Brevard College, where I graduated from, right after I got done playing, um, and coached with my coach that I played with and recruited me to Brevard. So it was a lot of fun to do that. Um, but the realization, you know, was always tough, but it was fun to figure that out. And as you thought about what was next after coaching, as you know, look, you, when you started to coach, you're probably like, ah, oh, I could do this for 30, 40 years. And then there was probably another aha moment of like, mm, maybe not. Um, and then you got into Nike and we'll talk about kind of how you climbed the ladder there and where you started. But what was that pivot point for you of like, okay, I worked to try and become a coach. Now I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. You know, it was a really quick decision to be honest with you. Um, You know, I finished up the second season. I was on the recruiting uh, trail, just, you know, going all over the Southeast Brevard is in uh, North Carolina, about 30 minutes South of Asheville. And so I was up in South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, um, and Virginia, just recruiting all over the place in, in the Southeast. And um, I got done the recruiting trip and I was, I was just like exhausted. And I was like, you know, what do I need to do? So I went on a family vacation and I said, if I go on this family vacation, I'd like to meet some people in Salt Lake City. 
And so we went out to Salt Lake City and one friend knew another friend and I uh, was connected to multiple teams uh, across the uh, professional sports landscape in Salt Lake. So the Salt Lake Real, the Utah Jazz, the Salt Lake Bees, the minor league baseball team. And um, I, I had some great meetings and some informationals that led to an offer to be a marketing associate for the Salt Lake Bees, which was owned by the Miller family at the time that also owned the Utah Jazz. And the last meeting of the day, I met with someone who uh, knew a lot of these people that connected me. I'd never met her before. And uh, she said, oh, I wish I would introduce you to my daughter. She works at Nike. She's been there about 20 years and she started as an Eakin. Nike spelled backwards. And I said, what's that? And she told me it was an entry-level marketing rep. And I said, well, that sounds like a great job. Phil Knight was the first one. And a lot of them become executives because it's a highly coveted entry-level role and it's very hard to get. I said, well, that's the job I'm gonna go for. And on that back porch of that conversation, that insight made me change my whole entire trajectory of my career. I flew back to North Carolina. Uh, I told my coach that I was gonna leave and go to Nike. And I applied for a local news store in Baltimore, Maryland in Hanover, Maryland uh, for the Nike factory store and went in as a sales associate interview. Um, uh, just for the seasonal opening of the store. They just needed bodies to open up the store, put the stuff on the hangers. And they offered me a lead manager position, which was the lowest level manager position you could get. And But it gave me an email, it gave me a full-time job, and it gave me an opportunity to, uh, to go into the office of the store um, for about an hour each day. And I, of course, I had the benefits of being full-time. And so I was making $11.25. So really within like 30 days um, from finding out about that insight from that one person, I went to the store, uh, went to nikebiz.com at the time. And that's the that was the job site. Applied for the opening, told my coach I was leaving, packed up all my stuff. And then on October 28th, we opened up that store. Um, so it was a pretty crazy 30 or 45 day uh, transition, but it happened really quickly. And I just trusted my gut. And once I heard about it, I wanted to go after it. Yeah. Usually you don't leave the job you're at before you have another one, but Hey, it all works out. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, 12, but look, 12, 12 plus years later that you were, you know, getting to work for work for Nike, talk a little bit about what that experience led to uh, ultimately, ultimately being able to get you to transition to the, to the Milwaukee bucks as well. Um, but what were you able to do at Nike from a basketball sports marketing perspective that has kind of gotten you to where you are now? Yeah, it was an amazing journey. It wasn't one where it was linear or one that was, you know, someone paved the path for me and told me this is what you need to do to succeed. And so I went into that store, was in there for about two and a half years, and I volunteered and networked as much as I could. And my mentor found me in the store. He was 15 minutes away in a sales showroom. And he was a 30-year veteran at Nike. And I volunteered every single day that I could at his showroom when I wasn't in the store or before I got into the store. And then from there, I met those Eakins that I wanted and I, and I was in pursuit of that job. And I earned the Eakin role. Um, and then two years later, won the Eakin of the Year Award, um, which was a huge goal of mine once I found out that was there. And I won that. And then I went into a sales position into Houston, Texas, where I sold local to local uh, dealers that sold uniforms and footwear to the high schools and small colleges in the Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas region. And so I, I covered that, the southern part of the country there, and then went off the product creation and the Jordan brand and made footwear for the Jordan brand. We made lifestyle shoes and training shoes. 
and then did the PEs as well for all the play, players in MLB, NCAA, uh, NCAA uh, NBA, and NFL. Um, and so that was an amazing opportunity. And that was all in pursuit to get to sports marketing. And so sports marketing was a highly coveted role. There's five people that did the job that I wanted. And all those five people were about 10 years plus into their career in that one role. And it was a, it's a very small group of people with very high level profile relationships that of course I didn't have. I didn't have, didn't know any agents, didn't know any players, didn't really know anybody in the front office of any NBA team. But I, I, had, a, I had a strong business acumen from being in retail and, and, and marketing and sales and product creation, and then now moving into sports marketing. And so in 2016, when the, when the NBA and Nike teamed up and had a license agreement for the apparel, um, they needed another person on their team in Chicago um, that they never filled from years back. And so Nico Harrison, who's now the GM and president of the Dallas Mavericks, was the VP of Nike basketball sports marketing at the time. He called me up and said, Brian, are you ready? And I said, yep, I'm ready. And so I'd had the interview with him and Lynn Merritt, who, you know, founded LeBron and, and signed LeBron and signed uh, Ken Griffey Jr. And, and all and a ton of other guys throughout his career at Nike. And I earned the position in sports marketing. And it was really an eight-year relationship uh, build for me and Nico. So Nico met me in 2009. So it was about seven years or almost eight years. And I just kept building the relationship and telling them, hey, I'm taking this new job. I'm learning this. I'm crushing this. I eat of the year. I'm doing this. Most sales, whatever it was. And then once I got on the team, my job was to sign NBA athletes to the brand. And uh, my first athlete was uh, Malcolm Brogdon, signed him, and he won Rookie of the Year out of UVA. So that was a good good signing for me. Um, and signed a ton of, ton of others throughout uh, my career and worked with DeMar Rosen and Carl Anthony Towns and Tobias Harris and Devante, Dante DiVincenzo, Chris Middleton, and of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And so in 2017, Giannis uh, needed his, um, uh, his contract was up. So we needed to re-sign him and we re-signed him in 2017. And in lieu of that, we built the signature shoe line be behind me, the Freak One, um, in about 18 months. So it usually takes 24 months to build. We did it in 18 and we built the largest signature shoe launch in Nike basketball history um, with over hundred plus million dollars in sales um, that also included footwear, apparel and accessories, um, which was an amazing feat for us to get done in that quick of time um, and have that much success. But we were coming off, you know, him having one of the best seasons that he ever had. He was MVP. He almost got to the NBA championship into the finals. Um, and then, of course, later on that happened. And so by, by that, I was able to build relationships with the Milwaukee Bucks front office. And they kept recruiting me since John Horse, in particular, the GM, and I created a great friendship. And, um, and every time I went up to Milwaukee, they were an amazing group of guys and, and people on that on that staff. And I finally jumped over there in 2021 um, to be VP of uh, basketball development and transition into the executive role into a front office, which was an amazing experience for me, something I, I look back on from Nike and just how amazing it was to be with all those types of people from product to sales to in all, all parts of the country. It was an amazing opportunity and the transition to the Bucks was was a was the right time to go um that ended up being a great season ahead yeah i was gonna say pretty pretty good season to uh jump over to a team <laughs> right to to win a championship and go through that entire experience in itself 
let alone, you know, look, there's plenty of employees that have worked for a team that have never even gotten to the playoffs, let alone that. Right. And uh, there you are working for your <laughs> first team, first year, uh, pretty good. Right. So when you think about the, you mentioned, you know, moving across the country, so many different regions, places, um, so many different areas of the business, right. From, you know, storefront retail to, you know, uh, sales otherwise to product creation, like all these different areas that let's face it, you maybe didn't have a quote unquote passion for when you first started. Right. But you knew it would at least get you to where you wanted to go in the right direction to get the eek and roll, those sorts of things. Um, but through all of that, it really seems like the relationship building piece has been a cornerstone for you. I mean, look, to have an eight-year relationship ultimately turn into a job and then, you know, another one turn into, right? Again, it's not about the job. And when, you, when you're creating the relationships, you're not creating them from the start thinking that it will lead to a job. It's just, like you said, creating the friendships, you know, building those relationships over time. Maybe you can help them. They can help you on the business front. Um, but to have that pay off, what was that like when that, when that kind of came full circle of like, wow, I've been building this relationship for eight years and now I get to work for the person. Yeah, it, it, it was, uh, it was a pursuit of determination and patience, which, you know, a lot of people tell you in your career to be patient and it's hard to hear that, especially when you're young and you're, you're driven and you, and you just want things that happen, right. You just want things to happen now. And, uh, and for me, I enjoyed the relationship building side of it because the people I was building relationships with were great individuals. And so not even just Nico, who I was building that relationship, but I did that same thing across every department that I could at Nike. The, my goal was not to move up vertically um, in the same funnel of departments. Um, like you start in marketing as a specialist, then manager, then senior manager, then director, senior director. It was to do uh, the jobs that were in front of me that were uh, that were interesting, but also provided depth and in, in a in a in a decent amount of a wide range of experiences. And so that's why you see me. I hopped from different department to different department so I could gain exposure at a really young age versus like nailing myself down at 24 years old and saying this is who I am. I'm only doing this one thing in this one department. And I think that's a really advantageous thing for people that stay in those departments because they can move up vertically and understand the expectations and the tribal knowledge and, and the vernacular um, at, a, at, a, at a higher clip because they're, they're doing that same thing each in, year, year in and year out. They're just changing maybe positions or people they're working for. And for me, so I was building relationships with the sales team and the product team and the sports marketing team and the brand marketing team. And... <clears throat> that led to really strong relationships that went past just me doing a good job, which of course, that was the expectation. Go be great at your job. That's what Nico always said, be the best at your job. I only work with people that are the best. And that's what I ended up doing. That's why I wanted to win Eek of the Year and then saying, hey, Nico, I won Eek of the Year. Like there, there's no one else that you can argue that was better, right? Because I won that award. And so um, that was the mission of building those relationships is just to build genuine ones. And then if there's an opportunity that came, then there's trust, then there's understanding, then there's 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 knowledge of what I could do and then what they could do for what I could do in that job for them. 
And it's in a, it's in a, it's a long-term proposition, but at the end of the day in the sports industry in particular, um, when you're young, you're, you can be specialized. And, and in, in particular now like data analytics, you can be specialized in that. You can be specialized in relationships. You can be specialized in marketing. But for me, I, I didn't want to be held down to that one identity at a young age. And so I was able to, to utilize that across the board and then also just build like lifelong friendships um, that I still talk to those people to this day. I got asked this question the other day by a student where they said, hey, you know, I see a bunch of people that will either hop around from job to job or they've gone from place to place. You know, they only stay a year and a half or two years or a little bit less in each place. Uh, or you have people that have stayed for 10, 20 years. Right. And we're just in different times, different time, changing, you know, culture, um, changing economy, et cetera, where, you know, things staying at a company for 15, 20 years, isn't necessarily the thing that people are striving for anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. However, with that said, you still went to Nike was there for 12 years but did in theory, what would be a bunch of different jobs as if you left the company and went to somewhere else, even <laughs> though it was still in the company. Right. And so I think about that and I'm like, okay, well, that's a path too, right? How do you get into a really big company where you don't have to actually leave the company, but you can leave the department, go to another job and every year and a half, two years, whatever it might be, go get a different experience. But the one thing I told that student was it's all about how you storytell it to whomever you're talking to so I want to know how you did that. Like, how did you go about the storytelling component to go from job to job? Because one would look at your experience and be like, well, is this person going to stay? Yeah. Or do I just want the best Brian for two years? Because that's yeah. what they know you're going to get. And how do you make sure that, that that message gets across on the other end? It's such a great question. Um, I'll answer that question first with a quick story. So and Nike, one of the things in large companies I think would be everywhere would be informational interviews are a big part of uh, networking and career trajectory and, <clears throat> and building building your 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 uh, your base. And uh, there was an individual that uh, that I knew well. He's now working in the NBA as the CMO for a team, and uh, he had an informational with a younger person. And the younger person just said like, hey, I really don't want to work in marketing. I really want to work in product creation. And my friend said to him, well, then why, why are you talking to me? Right. Uh, I'm in marketing. I'm not in product creation. And he said, but I can introduce you to Brian who's in product creation. And the derivative of that story is goes back to your question. Um, the narrative that you're, you're, you're providing in the informationals or in the opportunities of relationships and networking is I never once told someone in sales that I wanted to work in sports marketing. And I never told someone in sports marketing that I ever wanted to work in sales. I kept those compartmentalized because that was a relationship I was having with that individual that was focused and probably spent 10, 15, 20 years in that department. So the last thing they wanted to hear was, hey, I really want to go into sales because I and I really end up wanting, wanting to get into product creation and then sports marketing. Um, not that, that, I, that I didn't know that was going to be my path, but my point is that you you want to build a relationship in a sense where you're not holding back, but you don't know what the future is. So I didn't know that I was ever going to be in sports marketing. I knew I wanted to be. I was pursuing that. 
but that didn't mean necessarily that I need to broadcast that out to everybody and tell everybody my goals. Um, I think in today's age, um, information is is easily shared, which I think is great. But at the same time, sometimes holding back on that information and keeping some of that within you is okay as well, right? You don't need to overshare. And so I didn't overshare. Um, but what I did provide was I did provide the 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 roadmap of, hey, I am young. I do I do want to continue to move up. One of those things is continually taking more jobs. Um, because that's the way at, at cor large corporations is to earn more money. You typically will get a merit increase each year, um, but that doesn't even match inflation. So you have to then think, okay, if I'm going to go from manager to senior manager to director to senior director to VP, I can most of the way, the best way to do that is for me to move into different roles. And so it's definitely a strategy that a lot of people take at Nike, there are people that stay in and they stay in that same department and they kind of move as as the HR group or, or their bosses tell them to move. But the go-getters are the ones hopping from one thing to another every two to two and a half years. Um, and that's that happens for the first probably 10-ish years to 15 years for the people that are going to lead in the company. Um, they're doing a, a, a lot of different jobs. They're learning on the go. And for me in particular, I had to learn the new ways and new systems and new expectations on every single time. I never at one time in Nike, which I look back on and laugh now because it just was part of my expectations going into the new roles. I just had to take on the new role, learn the team, learn the process, learn the, learn the expectations, learn the actual job in real time, and then go on, you know, two and a half years later, 24, 26 months later into a new job. And that's hard. It's challenging, right? You're moving to a new city. You're moving to new clients. You're moving to new, uh, a new job, and and so it was challenging. But I I just thought it was like, hey, this is this is this is part of it, and I enjoyed that journey. And and it I think it formed and shaped me to have a a, a broad uh, appreciation uh, for a lot of different people in the, in a very large company. Yeah, it's kind of like when you go from school to school, although I never hopped schools other than from high school to college to grad school, right? Uh, or, or I guess, obviously, earlier on. But, you know, it's that first transition that takes however many months to build relationships, to understand processes, systems, you know, personalities, all that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, you get to that two, two and a half years and, you, and you're going to the next thing. Not everybody's wired that way, though, right? Like, so let's point that out because there's a different risk tolerance to to people in terms of taking new roles or doing new things or you know skill sets that they have to acquire. Whatever the case is, some people don't want to move. Like, right? There's all these different factors that go into it. Um, as we get towards the end of the episode here, I, I, I want to talk about kind of quickly what what you're doing now with Air, and then. Uh, what you've created with sports business ventures, how you're trying to help other people. Um, that's how our relationship started. I just reached out on LinkedIn and said, Hey, you're, you're trying to help people. And so am I, you know, what, what's uh, also realize now we live in the same city and it's like, Hey, we probably should connect, you know? Um, yeah. But that's how, you know, that's how some things start. And uh, so what, what are you doing now? And then, and then how are, how are you building sports business ventures? Yeah. Yeah. So when I transitioned from the Milwaukee Bucks and working with those players, the, the one of the biggest questions that I got from my time in the NBA and in Nike was, how do you work in the NBA? How do you work with professional athletes? And how do you get to Nike? 
those were the three traditional, most traditional questions that I would get um, or consistent questions I would get. And, uh, and so, you know, after doing a keynote speaking engagement at ASU, um, I, I had kind of like an aha moment and said, I can try to scale this um, in a way where we could provide information to a large group of people and it's only growing the people that want to work in sports. And this next generation, these, these young individuals that are in high school or college or just right out of college that want to work in, they're trying to find a way in. And so um, SBV, Sports Business Ventures, has a free newsletter that goes out every week. Um, we, we interview uh, a sports leader in the space. We've done professional athletes. We've done people at Nike and Adidas and the NBA front offices, the NFL league offices, um, and, and more. We've done trainers. We've done all sorts of different uh professionals in sports. And we we really take a 30 minute informational and we, we make it in three minutes. And it's a three minute read each week. And then we also have uh, workshops. We also have some other uh, opportunities for mentorship and, and job boards for people to find out about um, what's happening in sports at, and that's as, that is more accessible and more frequent for them to just get more knowledge, more understanding, and then hopefully more guidance. And so really that's the goal at Sports Business Ventures. And I'm always, I'd always be remiss if I didn't share, my wife is the co-founder and she has a, an illustrious career in sports. She was a high level high school soccer player who went to University of Portland and played four years there. They were nationally ranked in the top 25 for all four years in the in division one when she was there. And then she was drafted to the Seattle Reign in the NWSL and then worked at Nike and that's where we met. And so she has an understanding of sports from a professional athlete perspective, having an agent, signing contracts, then working at Nike, and then of course getting drafted and playing high level in college. So she really understands it from a different angle than even I do at some perspectives. And uh, we mesh together really well to try to try to build this out for the young young generation that's coming up uh, through the sports industry. What's the biggest piece of advice you have for those that you know as you think about? careers and you know even what you're doing now plus you've got that side hustle right like similar to similar to myself where you're trying to manage it all you've got a family right like it's all these different things that uh you continuously take on or don't take on right and and you decide kind of what what matters most and how you prioritize um even leaving one role to do something entirely different um what's the biggest piece of advice that you'd provide to people that are either getting into the industry, hey, take this piece of advice with you, or hey, you're already in the industry now, you're listening, but you know it can apply to everybody? Yeah, great question. Um, I'd probably say two things. Number one is be open to the opportunity. And that's by just having open-mindedness towards a conversation, a, a, a meeting, a phone call, that conversation in Salt Lake City changed my life. And they didn't help me get to Nike. They didn't, they didn't endorse me. They didn't help me apply for the lead manager role or the sales associate role at the store and then work up. It just, that perspective, that openness made me go, that's what I want to go do. I trust my gut and I went and did it. And then from a priority perspective or like taking risk perspective and part of your question, I'd say have an internal check uh, every now and then on are you happy? Are you enjoying it? What do you, what makes you happy? What drives you? What makes you passionate? And then go attack that. And there might be some risk in there and there might not always be success. 
my story that I shared had a ton of failure in it, right? There was a ton of things I wasn't good at, but that failure led me to continue to learn and adapt and change and evolve to then be ready for the next opportunity. So don't hold yourself to some high standard that you can't ever mess up or you can't go to a job and then not be good at it or find out you don't like the company or anything about it. Just move on, keep moving forward um, and just have those internal checks every now and then to say, hey, I'm willing to do something and, and this is what I'm not willing to do. And then understand that there might be some risk in there. But again, being open-minded and being ready to hear that opportunity um, and I'll finish with your one phone call away, your one conversation away from a life-changing moment. You just have to be ready for it. There's a, a book out there called Power of One More, really impactful in terms of just the perspective of, yeah, you're one away of something, right? No matter what it is, uh, it's one hour of work. It's it's one workout. It's wh whatever it is. Um, all right, let's finish up with some rapid fire. Great perspectives, great insights. Hope you're ready for this. Um, yep. If you were to play a different sport in college, what would it have been? Uh, it would have been college lacrosse. Lacrosse. Yep. What, what position would you have played? I uh, would have played a midfielder. So uh, I was a high-level uh, lacrosse player in high school, was recruited to even higher schools than I was basketball, but I just had a passion for basketball. So I said no to lacrosse, and I went all in on basketball when I got to college. Okay. Basketball equipment wise, it's like, Hey, you got your pair of shoes and you hop on the court. What's your go-to pair of shoes? Uh, my go-to pair of shoes for the, on the court would be the freak uh, ones. If uh, I got to plug that um, off the court would be AJ one lows, uh, just easy all day, everyday wear uh, goes with everything. Uh, <laughs> you, you've lived in a bunch of different places. Is there somewhere in the country you haven't been yet that you want to go to? So I've been to 48 states out of the 50. Which, uh, what's the last two? Um, you're going to put me on the spot, but South Dakota and um, Arkansas. Uh, so so those are my two. So um, I'll say that I would like to check out Benville, Arkansas, just because I heard it's amazing and I've never been. And there, and it sounds like the Wands have built that city up pretty cool. So I would love to check that that city out. Uh, South Dakota, I've been. You got to go to the Badlands. I will, I will go. It's like like rivals the Grand Canyon. Like it's pretty cool. Yes, uh, and it's just obviously it's in the middle of nowhere. But like it just it really is in the middle of nowhere when you get out there and you're like, wait, where did all this come from? Um, all right, last one for you. Uh, internationally, basketball wise, like if you could have gone and played somewhere, where would you have gone? That's an amazing question. Um, Australia, I would have, I would have loved, I think it would have culturally would have been easy for me to transition. Um, I wouldn't have had to learn a language and I definitely think I could have ate their food. So it would have been easy for me to just like transition in and just hoop and just play. <laughs> Love it. Brian, really appreciate all the insights, perspectives, sharing your journey uh, into the world of sports, all the amazing things that you've accomplished. Uh, but also continuing to help people along the way with uh, sports business ventures and more. So uh, best of luck in the future with it. And uh, obviously welcome on anytime. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe and follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. 
And don't forget to get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And stay tuned for next Monday's episode with a new guest and new content.